Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and now we're back to part two about uh, coronary arteries beyond stenosis. And we were speaking about coronary artery anomalies and the practical approach, and now we're going to look at termination. Some of the most impressive images are these. This is a case of a coronary artery fistula. Look at the right coronary artery. It's about seven to ten times normal size. It's absolutely huge. These patients typically present with shortness of breath, a typical chest pain, often younger, often female. And in this case, you can see that the termination was into the coronary sinus. And coronary artery fistulae are indeed very uncommon, but it does most commonly, as in this case, involve the right coronary artery. Drainage is much more common to the right side of the heart, and because of this shunting of blood can result in myocardial ischemia. Your typical definition, of course, is an abnormal communication between a coronary artery and another vascular structure, with the most common drainage being to the right ventricle, right atrium, and the pulmonary artery. But as in this case, it can also be to the coronary sinus, could even be to the SVC or the left-sided cardiac chambers. Two-thirds of the time, uh, it's the right coronary where it originates, and about 25% the left, and about 5% both systems. And as I mentioned, majority will drain into the right side of the heart. That's simple enough. Uh, again, uh, the coronary artery, as in this case, is large and it's tortuous. Usually these patients will need surgery because they have significant hemodynamic issues. It really is the equivalent almost of an ASD or VSD. And again, patients often present with myocardial ischemia. A few articles have been written recently. This article speaks about CT being excellent for the uh, visualization of origin, course, and vessel entry site for these fistulae. And just to make the point, they are associated more commonly with transposition, single ventricle, or tetralogy of Fallot. Just a great case. All right, let's move on to something else. What if I showed you this case, and I told you this patient was 87 years old, hypertensive, negative stress echo, now has acute chest pain, and here's the CT scans. What am I circling? Well, you're in the region of the circumflex coronary artery. Here's another view, but it's markedly dilated. Well, that's an aneurysm of the circumflex coronary artery. Now, I gave you a lecture previously, about a month ago, on coronary arteries, so I'm just going to touch on a few of the high points. One is a coronary artery is defined as a 50% or greater increase in a coronary artery diameter compared to adjacent segments. It most commonly involves the right coronary, and the second most common site is the LAD. There are a number of causes for coronary artery aneurysms. In the U.S., the most common cause is atherosclerotic disease by Kawasaki's is the most common cause worldwide. There are other things from Takayashu's to trauma to infection. And in fact, here's a very nice laundry list. We've also described it in Lois Dietz. We've also seen it in post-operative patients with reimplantation of the coronary arteries. So let me just go through a few salient points. Kawasaki's disease, patients under five, more common in Japanese, acute febrile illness, also known as mucutaneous lymph node syndrome. Patients have a very specific history, a fever for five days or more without a cause, and other findings including conjunctival injection, the classic strawberry tongue, erythema of the uh, palms or soles, edema of the feet or hands, a rash, and cervical lymphadenopathy. Cardiac issues in Kawasaki's are very common, from mitral regurge to pericardial effusion to myocarditis, but also coronary artery aneurysms. And if you look at the numbers, coronary artery aneurysms occur in 25% of patients treated with aspirin alone or with no treatment. 
the aneurysms typically will develop within a couple weeks and do have a mortality rate even at the early point. Aneurysms are more common in the proximal than distal vessels and then can result in thrombosis with sudden death. If patients are treated more aggressively with intravenous immunoglobulins in addition to aspirin, then the vascular complication rate will surely decrease. And here's a couple examples. Here's a great case of an 11-year-old who has a history of Kawasaki's disease. Look at that small focal aneurysm. Let me zoom up a little bit. Nice outpouching off the patient's left main, just proximal to the circumflex, classic example. And in Kawasaki's, the aneurysms can often be very large. They can be multiple. Look at the size aneurysm in the patient's right coronary artery, and you can see when you look more carefully, there is even rim calcification. So again, very important. There have been articles about this subject. In this article, uh, CT sensitivity was about 100%, and that was at 16 slice. Imagine at 64 slice. What else? Takayashus. We think about Tashiyakus as large vessel disease. So we see thickening of the branch vessels off the arch. We see thickening of the aorta. But it also can result in aneurysmal dilatation and can involve the patient's coronary arteries in up to about 15% of cases. The patient population is usually under 30, far more common in females. Again, management is typically medical, steroids, if not cyclophosphamide and methotrexate with intervention, angioplasia bypass reserved for very select cases. And here's just one nice example I have of dilatation and haziness of the left main coronary artery in a patient with Takayashus. Very nice example. Now, when you go back to the list, I showed you this list. Um, there are a number of other causes. Here's a good example of a patient. Look at the patient's um, circumflex coronary artery. Look, it's twice as large, more than twice as large, as the patient's uh, LAD. Uh, this is aneurysmal dilatation. There was really no uh, true clinical reason for this. This patient, by the way, has a left SVC. And this was, in a sense, one might consider congenital uh, coronary artery aneurysm. This patient was treated conservatively. Atherosclerotic disease, nice example, 68-year-old male with increasing chest pain. Patient previously had bypass surgery. By the way, I have seen aneurysms of bypass segments, but look at this beautiful example. Nice coronary artery aneurysm, classic aneurysm. The vessel is large, rim calcification, and the vessel is essentially thrombosed. Or this case, a little bit more interesting maybe, where you can see the patient's vessel coursing directly through the uh, circumflex coronary artery is seen directly through uh, that aneurysm, which is thrombus around it. The vessel is patent, but obviously compressed. Coronary artery aneurysms, uh, some patients present acutely, some patients present more chronically. So indeed, it will vary. But I'll show you the best case. This is a great example of a 19-year-old comes to the ER with chest pain, patient collapsed in the ER, and you can see that very bright structure. That ends up being a left anterior descending artery aneurysm with actual rupture, but it's walled off. Patient has a pericardial effusion. It's actually hemopericardium. This patient was incredibly lucky because he arrested in the ER, took him to surgery. He was saved. So just a really incredible case. Now, sometimes you see aneurysm dilatation of multiple vessels. We've seen that in a few cases of patients who had corrective surgery as a child. This was a patient who had surgery at age 11. Now it's 30 years later, roughly. And when you start looking carefully, both the circumflex and LAD are dilated, nicely shown in this example. 
aneurysmal dilatation due to prior surgery. And remember I mentioned the possibility of prior surgery, and here's just a very nice example. And we've seen this in many cases now. Patients who have reimplantation of the coronary arteries, this patient had Marfan's, and you have a button aneurysm. It kind of looks like a button. Focal dilatation. Not really clear why this happens. We pick it up when we scan the patients for routine follow-up. The patients are not symptomatic, but indeed it's something that you need to worry about. Now in terms of coronary artery management, what is the typical management for these patients? I think medical management is ideal, anticoagulants, for example, antiplatelet agents, but if they don't work, then you have to go to bypass or stent placement. Concluding then, I think coronary artery disease, we think about stenosis, but you have to think about other things. First thing we look at is where the vessels arise, anomalous vessels, complications like fistula, complications like myocardial bridging. These are all important to recognize. And there's no doubt with the increased use of CT, we're going to see these more frequently. So let me stop there, but b before I stop, let me show you one other case. And this is just a point about vessels around the heart. What vessel am I showing you here? See that vessel there? It looks like a coronary artery, but it's obviously not a coronary. It's not even an aberrant right coronary. It's coming from too far above. And so what is this vessel? I have it in orange here. Well, what it is is it's a dilated bronchial artery going down toward the left hilum. Commonly see bronchial arteries going to the right hilum, right up a lung region. They can be a cause of hemoptysis. Bronchial arteries arise directly from the descending aorta and supply blood to the airways, esophagus, and lymph nodes. Left bronchial artery arises from the anterior surface of the aorta and concavity of the arch. And the right arise from the posterior lateral aspect of the thoracic aorta. So you can see where they are. Now they can be one of the causes of massive hemoptysis. There are many causes of hemoptysis. You can see them listed here. Pulmonary artery aneurysms there, but just dilated bronchial arteries can indeed be a cause. And bronchial artery aneurysms can occur. Bronchiectasis is mycotic origin, owes the Weberon due. And there was one good article saying that a uh, bronchial artery with a diameter of over two millimeters is considered abnormal and can be the source of hemoptysis. Extravasation of contrast, a specific sign of bronchial bleeding is seen in about 4 to 11% of cases. Personally, I've never seen it. And same article, by providing thin sections, CTs, axials, MPRs, and 3Ds, CT angio allows CT uh, to provide better images than conventional angiography with respect to these bronchial and non-bronchial systemic arteries. So indeed, even in this situation, CT indeed shines. Of course, to do this well, coronaries, gated acquisitions, low heart rate, unless you have a dual source, then regular heart rate becomes critical. Lots of opportunity, lots of things to do, and I hope this lecture will help you a lot. And with that, have a great day.